1: It's a common misconception that therapists have their shit together and all our relationships are perfect.
2: Which is total bullshit.
1: I'm Vanessa Bennett, licensed therapist. I'm
2: John Kim, licensed therapist.
1: And this is our story.
2: On this episode, we're going to talk about sex. And usually I get excited when we talk about sex, but this time... We're going to talk about sex that isn't, um, I don't know. What's the word, Vanessa?
1: I don't know. Sex that isn't what?
2: (laughs) Well, because I tend to um, bring it into the locker room. I tend to um, get immature, graphic, raw. Um, So it's more
1: about desire, I think, than it is about sex, actually. Okay.
2: Yeah. So let's do it. So, Vanessa. Uh, read an article that kind of blew her away, and then she afforded it to me. And I thought it was really interesting. I, 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 um, I haven't read an article that talks about desire through this lens or with this angle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, as a therapist, when I read um, theories or new information that I haven't yet heard, or things in a way that I haven't heard, it's it can be really helpful um, to put my own perspective into a better understanding, but also it helps me then see other clients in a different way. Um, But the woman who wrote this, her name's Deborah J. Fox. Um, She's a couples counselor, but she's also a sex therapist. So it makes sense that she is going to talk about something that I have not heard of in this way because I'm not a sex therapist.
2: (laughs) Yeah, either am I. Um, You know, we did something wrong with this episode. Hmm. We're supposed to talk to each other. And the listener can be the fly on the wall, mm-hmm. but tonight I addressed the listener right away, which means I broke the wall. I broke the um, what is it called? The third wall, the fourth wall. The fourth you know, wall.
1: There, there's no rules.
2: All right, we let's have go. No
1: rules. We're ruleless. All right. Um. Okay. So let me give the overview real quick about why this was so. Um, kind of not life changing it's not that dramatic but it is kind of affirming i guess is a better word so in her article the headline first of all is what grabbed me it says do women really become less interested in sex over time debunking the myths so it caught my eye it was in a Mind buddy green uh, email and she talks about what a lot of us have heard right the negative messages that a lot of women get growing up um, you know and kind of how those societal messages uh can be a hindrance to our feeling comfortable in our sexuality right um you know be quiet be sweet be kind don't be too much don't sit that way don't wear a short skirt you know don't get pregnant all these things that are put on us um by society so she talks about all that and i won't go into that too much because i think most of us know the kind of patriarchal messaging uh that can be super damaging to women but What I found so fascinating was she broke down and categorized the two types of desire. And I've never heard it talked about like this. So when I read this, I thought, oh my God, I am this other form, this other category that I've never heard of. And I told you that I felt crazy seen by this, right? Like I sent it to my friends. So the two, and I'm not going to read the whole article, obviously, but I'm trying to find the, the, uh, okay, sorry.
2: Cliff notes, cliff notes.
1: I know it's a long article, I'm trying to find her specific things. Okay, so crucial misunderstanding when it comes to female sexuality, and a major source of sexual frustration in couples is that the idea that sexual desire just pops up for everyone in the same way. Um, So she says there's two basic types of sexual desire, there's spontaneous, and there's responsive. So spontaneous is what we all know because it's what we see in movies. It's what most men, I think she says like 75% of men fall into the category of spontaneous desire, right? They seem to be up for sex most of the time, pops into their head. They want it. 15% of women only fall into that group.
2: You're Right. So, what clarify what spontaneous is? I mean, obviously, by the word we know, but just to
1: right. So, you know. it's what I just said, right? So, you're you're walking on the street, and sex pops into your head. Like you can be up for sex pretty much most of the time. Um, you know, you look at somebody from across the room, they give you an eye, and you're like, "Ooh, I want to have sex right now." Like it's it's spontaneous, right? It doesn't need to be. Um, it doesn't need to come after anything. It doesn't need to be kind of uh, warmed up for you. It can just pop into your mind and you're, poof, you're, you want to have
2: sex. You're, you're sitting in homeroom class and uh, for no apparent Fantasizing. reason, you get a, you get a boner. Right. And um, so you take your textbook and you put it in between your legs, uh, hoping no one will notice or the teacher won't call on you to stand up and read.
1: This is a personal experience.
2: No, this is what I've heard about. As, <laughs> so that's spontaneous. Uh, right. And you know, I also wonder With well, let's hold here for a second. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of spontaneous desire has to do with biology.
1: Well, so they say. She says seventy-five percent of men are members of the spontaneous group, mm-hmm. and only fifteen percent of women. Right. So there, there, there must be some biology in this. Although she does talk about same-sex couples struggling with similar dynamics. Sure. sure. So maybe it's it's socialized. Honestly.
2: Yeah. Um, I. I mean, I'm trying to think. So uh, from a, a male point of view, I know that. Uh, when we get excited, it—it's almost like—I um, mean, I guess the best way to describe it is—you uh, uh, like you have to sneeze, mm. and then if you don't let it out, if you don't sneeze, you get very frustrated. And this is where that whole blue balls thing comes come come from comes right. from. I—I've never had blue balls. I don't know what—I uh, um, don't know if it's a real thing or a myth. I mean, I guess it is a real thing. Which?
1: I think the discomfort of it is a real thing. I think what is made out of the discomfort <laughs> is the, the exaggeration.
2: The, yeah. And so the exaggeration. It, do they say blue balls because like your balls are sad or is it like turning blue? I
1: think like, it's
2: literally. Blue. Okay.
1: <laughs> I just had the funniest image of your balls turning sad.
2: <laughs> yeah. I thought that I thought blue balls meant like your, your, your balls are sad because it's not being able to release <laughs> it's blue, you know? Um uh. Anyway, so so it's it's you're you're it's like literally blue like the, like a smurf. It's it's turning blue.
1: It's turning blue. Yeah, um,
2: okay. So um my my okay, so going back to um I know that when I was bouncing off the walls harmonial, so like 18, you know, in my early 20s, if I got an erection, I would have to go I would have to rub I would have to take her myself or do something to get it out. There's this um sense of um Oh god! I mean, it's it's. I mean, the best way to describe it is a sneeze. You got yeah, really to sneeze really bad, right? Right. And I think that's where men get frustrated. I think that's where men put pressure on, on you know, all all this stuff, right? I'm not saying that 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 uh, it's right. right, yeah. But there there is that. This. And then as I get old, as I got gotten older, um, I have a lot less of that these days. So at 47, um, of course, you know, if I get frustrated or if I get um, uh, an, an erection and and And, uh, you know, we don't do anything, uh, there, there's a, there's a little bit of frustration, but it's not like when I was in my twenties. Right. So I think that men in their twenties, um, are a lot more spontaneous than men in their forties.
1: Yeah. But we're, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, we're still talking about arousal. I don't think that an erection has to come with arousal. I think you can still be aroused spontaneously and not have it lead to erection and then ejaculation. Right. Um, I, also yeah. think, again, yeah, like I mean, biology
2: wise for men, it's not like, so with women, there are different levels. It's gradual. Um, with men, it's like a light switch. It's just on or it's off. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of like what uh, what is it? They call the half staff, but you're, you're either erect or you're not for women. There's a lot, it's more, a lot more complicated. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I
1: don't know. I think that's, I think that might be a dangerous statement. I, I, I think that arousal we're talking arousal only. I don't necessarily think that arousal, I don't know. I'm not a man. Like I, I would think that arousal would not always lead to erection. Am I wrong?
2: Uh, I don't think it always does, but it once.
1: Once it does.
2: Yeah. Like once it starts because it's, it's about blood flow. So once right, you right, start right. to get excited, like we, there's we, no turning back. No. Yeah. We can't, <laughs> um, we can't, cut off that blood flow mentally we can't say okay stop right i mean unless we physically like jump in cold water or something with that you know that's gonna make it stop but like we can't mentally cut something off mm-hmm. like we can't like when you when you when you you know um are able whole, to like sp-
1: think of baseball right like think of baseball think of your right. grandmother think of the, all those tricks that you hear when teenagers to last
2: longer yeah but i'm saying yeah. you, you can't like you know when you cut off your urine stream yeah, we can't do that with erections. So if it's, right, hard, right, it's right. hard, yeah, yeah. the right. way that you cut off the the, the or not cut off, but the way that you get rid of an erection is to release and then it instantly goes down.
1: Well, but so this is why I was saying it might be a dangerous conversation. Because based on this research, there are 15% of women who do fall into spontaneous arousal sure. category.
2: Sure, sure. Um,
1: I mean, so I I don't know, it's like we're talking, or I feel like it's like arousal is one thing. And like erection is another, I feel yeah. like arousal might be more, um, to me, I'm thinking thought-based, I'm thinking emotional-based, whether it's man or woman, doesn't matter. Like that's, I don't know, to me, that's what I think of arousal. I think of that. Um, And then going back to what I was first saying about, you know, societally kind of the patriarchal structure that we live in, that we're socialized with because women, she says, aren't often exposed to what is more typical of female sexual desire, right? So if there's only 15%, there's, you know, I'm bad at math. What is that? 85% that don't fall into that. Um, they often end up saying what's wrong with me or falsely concluding. I'm just not a sexual person, which I have both said those words and I have heard those words from multiple female clients. Those exact words.
2: Yeah. And that's where it's dangerous. And that's where, um, the internalization, anger, Mm -hmm. resentment, all of that, um, so let's talk about responsive now.
1: Right. Responsive this is, this is where the kind of mind-blowing came into play for me. So 85% of women, right, have what's known as responsive sexual desire. So she says, with for people with this type of desire, the context of the moment is critical to your openness to the idea of sex.
2: Right.
1: So it's not even about arousal. It's even the openness to the idea of something um, is all based on context, right? So if you're tired preoccupied with a work project you're stressed out um, your interest in sex is going to be hard to come by which that is to me feels like a duh statement because I mean as myself personally I know that me thinking about sex when I'm you know exhausted from the baby or stressed out is like non-existent um, but she says they're not just factors they are actually central there's nothing wrong with you you just need a change in context mm. so I from personal experience can say that my 30 six years on this planet. And out of those, I don't know, 20, whatever, being a sexual being, the number of times I have tried to talk myself into sex, or I have shamed myself for not being in the mood because I'm tired or because I'm stressed out and basically bashed myself and said, what's wrong with me? Because my partner wants it and I don't, I can't even count.
2: You know, what's interesting is as a 47 year old man, because I've finally experienced days like that, where, um, you know, in my twenties, I, I would never turn down sex, but, but now as a, f- I mean, there are days where, um, I, I, I would be like, okay, well, let, let's just watch, um, the gold girls. Let's, have, mm-hmm. let's have a nice dinner it's instead. True, guys. It's true. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've never been like that. And, 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 I gotta be honest with you. A lot of it is, is biology. A lot of it is, um,
0: age,
2: yeah. age and, and lowering testosterone and all that. Uh, and also it takes me a lot, a lot more to, to, to get aroused, get it up, all that. And so now that I've kind of, um, I'll never know what it's like to be a woman, but now that I've kind of, kind of, if I could imagine myself when I, on those days where I don't feel like having sex genuinely, I'd rather watch, um, you know the the a golden <laughs> the golden girls or eat spaghetti. Uh, if I was to say okay, but I, I need to have sex with my partner. I need to force myself. I need to get it up. What's wrong with me? Um, I could see how damaging that can be. I could I could see how um, God. I mean I mean just like just just thinking about that, I, I could see how I could start to build resentment or um, feel
1: not enjoy sex.
2: <laughs> yeah. Not it, suddenly sex becomes a chore. Sex mm-hmm. becomes something I would be afraid of. Um Once you start pressuring me, I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, here we go. Like I, I get all that mm-hmm. now, you know, I, I, um, and, and again, I'm, I'm not a woman. Uh, I'm sure it's actually more, uh, more stress, more difficult. Cause I'm also not experiencing, you know, society's pressure, right. And all of that. But, um, just, you know, the, 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 the few days, during a month that I actually don't want to have sex has really been kind of um, insightful for me on what, what it could possibly be like.
1: Yeah. And I, and I don't say this to be dramatic, but actually to be honest, very honest about it. I would say in my lifetime, if I had to like put some kind of crazy number on it, I would say 50, 50, or maybe 60, 40% of the time that I've had sex, it's probably been because I felt like I had to, not because I wanted to.
2: Yeah. Of I mean, all the times I've had
1: sex. Actually, I probably say 70, 30, to be quite honest. Which is that, really wait, fucking sad.
2: So 30% you wanted to and 70% yeah. didn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and what, now what, what
2: about what about with me? That, <laughs> are, are those numbers said, flipped?
1: Yes, those numbers are flipped. <laughs> um yeah, like cumulative. I mean, you know, it's 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 crazy. And it's something that I feel like I've talked about with so many of my female friends and also, yeah. you know clients, um, but to be able to put it into words. So what she says, um, I'm going to keep going on this. She says, and this was actually the sentence that I actually, I remember I said, yes, out loud, which I know something really resonates with me when I find myself like yelling out. Yes. Um, She says a common experience for responsive people is that desire shows up after arousal. Mm. So sit with that for a second. Desire doesn't show up first. So with spontaneous people, usually it's desire leads to arousal. Right. For responsive, it's the opposite. So sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes common experience, she says, is that arousal actually has to happen first before before desire. Now, I can speak to that and say, okay, 70-30, like I just said, out of that 70% of the time when I did it because I thought I had to, Let's say forty percent of that time, I ended up enjoying myself.
2: Right, Once so you that the, speaks the to that,
1: right? Um, so Spont- yeah, I don't know. Sp- that was spontaneous.
2: Crazy. Spontaneous desire is like a helicopter. Um, mm-hmm. re- responsive desire is like an airplane. Uh, not a, not a jet, but like a single engine plane where it requires a long runway, and it you know kind of mm-hmm. catches flight slowly. <laughs>
1: Well, right, right, with with a couple pushes. So, she says, um, what this means is that you have to change the question from "Am I feeling frisky?" to "Am I open to engaging in touch?" As an example, because she says, with physical touch, arousal may well show up, first followed all, by, "Oh, now I feel very glad to be her doing this."
2: <laughs> first of all, don't use that word "frisky" ever again.
1: I'm reading. It's, it's not from my the word. '50s. I and- do like that
2: word though. It reminds me of happy days. It reminds me of like uh, necking or going steady.
1: <laughs> I'm going to use the term necking next time we talk about it. Um,
2: Vanessa and I were necking because we are going <laughs> steady. I felt frisky at the time.
1: Um, yeah, so, but but here's where I want to diverge. So so a couple points. So to bring it back to the personal, I can 100% relate to this because the number of times that like, you know, it's been massage- that leads to sex no that leads to arousal that leads to sex right Right. but but it's more often that it's a massage where i really do believe that there's no expectation because once i feel like there's an expectation that the massage will lead to sex that's actually going to hinder i feel my desire because now we're locked into that it's something i should do
2: so so how do you if you're um a couple who's busy, maybe even uh, uh, you you have a a, a child, tight schedules, how do you not expect to have sex? So you basically um, just focusing on creating this, because I think this is where a lot of couples um, get into fights, right? I think uh, the responsive uh, person just wants the space, and if sex happens, great. If sex doesn't happen, that's fine. The spontaneous person, is now depending on it because, um, sex is hard to come by because people are busy and because you got to schedule it, all of that stuff, you know?
1: Well, so this is, this is the hard part of the conversation because, and this there's going to be a lot of feelings attached to what I'm about to say, but
2: wait, by the Um, way, I'm actually not even talking about me. I'm dead serious. I'm talking about, um, a couple clients I know. And yes, they are male.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't say when I say there's going to be feelings, I don't even necessarily mean you. I feel like anybody who listens to this, there's going to be feelings attached to this. But we all know, right? I'm not saying anything nobody's heard, that women are trained, like growing up from society. I mean, our idea of sexuality is to be pleasurable to somebody else.
2: right? right? right.
1: It's not about us and our pleasure. It's about how can we please somebody else. Our entire existence is here to soothe the man's ego right which is why we do things like have sex when we don't want to um because it's we're basically told from day one that that's our job right so the thing about this which is interesting and hard many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
0: Is that for a woman? So my
1: understanding of this concept is great, but my ability to put it into action with you is actually entirely different because putting this into action requires me to have to tell you, "I don't want this." Right. When I don't want this.
2: Yeah, which you haven't practiced that. That's not something you're used to.
1: So that is a big part of it, right? Like first and foremost, women actually stepping into it. Not all women. I know plenty of women who are totally fine saying like, I'm not in the mood. No. Um, but it requires women to actually be honest and authentic in what they want. It also requires the and we're talking just heteronormative here, the men that they're in relationships with to not then put that emotional responsibility on the woman.
2: Yeah. Not I having, mean, it's, right? it's it's hard for men to not feel rejected.
1: Well, also right? not just rejection, John, but Men have been trained since day one, that it is the woman's job to take care of the man. The patriarchy hurts both of us. It doesn't just hurt women, right? So if you've been taught and trained your whole life that I want it, so you should be giving it to me. And I tell, you no, very quickly, you're going to feel upset by that. And yes, rejected by that. And you're going to pout and you're going to do these things because, well, there's an expectation there. Like, this is just what we do, isn't it? Right. You know what I mean?
2: yeah then then it's like um the man saying, Well, you're not a good girlfriend or wife, right that right. stuff, yeah,
1: right um so here's the the last part that for me was the big like outward yes so when when she's talking about like okay, how do we change the context right so for those of us who who actually are in the category that that I'm in, so by the um, way,
2: her um, outward yes, I didn't know that she was in the bedroom reading an article. I thought something else was happening, <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry okay. bad job um.
1: So she says, um, okay, so with inadequate information about sex, many young women are often left to apply themselves, what they learn from their experiences with men or the movies, right? If men just dive into erogenous zones at the outset of a physical encounter, Mm -hmm. then that's what must be the way to have sex, right? Because that's what we see. That's what we've experienced. So that's the right way. And how I want it must be the wrong way. However, when desire tends to follow arousal, like we said, a direct focus on erogenous zones can feel like an unwanted advance.
2: Sure. Very their bodies intrusive. Are,
1: right. Their bodies are not yet ret- ready to be stimulated sexually. So that sentence, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what it is. And so how do we put this into actual action in relationship? It's also about the person who falls into the spontaneous category to understand You jumping in and going right for the nipple or right for the vagina or right, you know, whatever, that's not going to lead to arousal.
2: Yeah, man, if you're listening to this, it's almost like you're um, lying there um, and she kind of um, climbed on top of you and then sticks her finger up your butt. Like no, that's what it's like. And then you're like, ah, get get off me. What are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's probably kind of the feeling of um, if someone is just, you know, uh, just going straight, goes for it um, or is aggressive, there's no foreplay, there's no warming up, but just that By kind of By the way, of, five seconds of
1: kissing does not count.
2: Right. And then that in- intrusion.
0: Yeah, it does. Be- like because
2: for men um, you can, be aggressive with the penis, and and it doesn't it's not going to hurt us. But something like you know it being intrusive, like sticking your finger up our butt, that would that 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 would. If
1: you're not prepped and ready for it, then yeah, that's well, absolutely.
2: Be- so that's kind of what it's like. That and that would cause um, um, uh, a man to probably throw the person off. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of knee jerk, right?
1: Um. So again, just kind of keeping the conversation as far as like, what can we do? Um, So she says, change the context, right? Which this, I feel like is easier said than done. So um, instead of saying, I'm not in the mood, try asking yourself, what could put me in the mood? Mm. Um, So maybe the two of you sitting down and having a conversation that will help you feel less stressed. So what could you talk about that might take you out of the context of like, you know, the baby was up all night or there's all these bills or whatever the stressful thing is, um, you know, sharing glass of wine or a cup of tea together, you know, a foot massage, a bath, reading some erotica. Um, how about this? She says, having your partner wash the dishes and put the kids to bed. Right. So something like that is actually going to be the bridge potentially to arousal because it's going to change your context.
2: Right. Yeah, it's a lot of un, it's a lot of rewiring, mm-hmm. it, which is hard. It's a lot of reconditioning. Um, I, I love that uh, what, what the reframe of because um, when you say I'm not in the mood, it shuts everything down. So instead of mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not in the mood, what would get me in the mood? Of course, right? Like the I'm not in the mood is a fixed mindset. What can get me in the mood is a growth mindset. So I love that. Um, yeah, it's a lot of practice, and I think. A, I think a lot of couples, in th- they kind of get it in theory. Uh, but like you said, the execution, the practice of it is so hard. That's where they drop the ball. And then without that piece, there's no change. Just a lot of ideas.
1: Right. Well, what's, what happens so much is that in the actual execution of it, both people are now taking responsibility for their part in it. And that's really hard because now we can't blame the other person. So we're just talking man, woman here, but like now the man can't just point the finger at the woman and say, well, she never wants to have sex. It's like, no, you now have, you are more equipped now to understand the way that her desire works and you are not actually approaching her in her desire. So that's on you, right? Or you're shaming her when she tells you, you know what, I'm actually not in the mood tonight. So, or vice versa, right? Like the woman now understands herself and she understands how context is important. And so if she's um, doing it because she doesn't want to, and then she's resenting him for it after, like that's for, for the woman to own. So, so much of the execution, what's so difficult for people is that they have to take some, resp- not all, but they do have to take some responsibility. And that's really hard for our egos.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking about, um... How immature I used to be! I uh, used to in many of my relationships, especially the earlier ones. If I didn't get sex, I would pout um, mm-hmm. when we we're going to bed. I, I would literally like a fish out of water, turn, turn, and it's like flop around, <laughs> flop around, <sighs> you know that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm trying to put myself in her shoes and what. That,
1: like the that. least sexiest thing ever, probably.
2: Well, not only the least sexiest, but the immaturity of it. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, because the, the, that's not gonna get anyone to sleep with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, instead of you know taking care of it myself, um, putting that energy, that I mean, in a way that you know you're taking a hostage. You're now now affecting someone else's sleep. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's common. I don't think it's just me. You no. know? Yeah. Well, that's
1: why I was saying earlier, like, I think we have to understand this in the greater context of society and how we're raised, right? Like it really, that's why I say that the patriarchal structures affect both men and women. It's not just women that suffer from this, right? So if you grew up basically being told whether verbally or non-verbally that women should meet your sexual expectations, it's going to damage your relationships with the woman you love when you have that mostly unconscious expectation that she then doesn't meet, so part of this is like it's it's making the unconscious conscious. It's unwiring shit that like we didn't even put on ourselves. It was put on us from the societal structures we live in. You know,
2: right, right, yeah, and you know, it's um, it's also understanding. Mm-hmm. You yep. know that that old book, um, men are from Mars, women are from from Venus. Uh, it, it's understanding. Um, your partner, how, and not just like what they like, what they don't like, uh, understanding deeper, meaning wiring, conditioning, um, you know, um, the patterns they are used to why something is hard for them, right? So like with you and I, I tend to uh, talk a lot, and I expect that back. And you're not, um, you're you're not a a talker in that way, meaning, you know, talking an issue to death or dissecting it, you know, forever, or or you need time, you need space. Mm I don't work like that. I'm just, you know, vomiting. And so because we're different in that way, if I expect that of you and you don't give it to me, then I feel like you don't care. You're checked out. You're, you know, all of the, I jump to those conclusions and it's the same thing with uh, sex and desire. You know, if you don't understand your partner and how they're wired um, and yes, they have an obligation to express themselves as well, but if you don't understand it, um, you're going to jump to conclusions you're going to think um, you're going to feel rejected you're going to feel like they're not having sex with you to punish you or they don't like mm-hmm. you or you know all of those things yeah and then on on, on the um, female side um, what do you feel like what's the jumping to conclusions if you're uh, responsive and your partner is very spontaneous
1: um, well that the, the- partner doesn't care about me actually being sexually pleased
2: yeah so going back to care about themselves you're going going back to what you said um i felt heard after reading this article Mm -hmm. or i felt seen you said i felt seen yeah so that means that uh if he continues that and you continue and and there's that disconnect and you guys don't talk about it you're going to feel unseen
1: right And again, part of that is me accepting my responsibility and being more vocal about when I am or I'm not aroused. But what I will say is that without having this knowledge, sometimes it's hard to put that into language because again, like she said in the beginning of the article, like we're just walking around thinking thinking something's wrong with us. So we don't talk about it. We don't bring it up because we've been told by everybody that you know, we're frigid and because we don't want to have sex every time the man wants to have sex there's something wrong with us. We have a low sex drive. You know, there's all these messages, um, that it's hard for me to talk about it because there's shame it's lined with shame. Right. Yeah, Yeah. So now having this structure, this understanding for me is really helpful because it takes that shame away. And it says like, um, oh no, it's because of this. Like, I understand it now, now I can step into, um, hey, no, this is what I want. This is what I don't want because I have an understanding of like the why.
2: Right. So let me ask you this as we uh, kind of come to a close here. What can I do to be more responsive, less less spontaneous? How can how can I be more of a single engine plane instead of a helicopter? Hmm.
1: Um, I think understanding, like now that you have the understanding that context is key, um, you know, and as I'm saying this, it's like popping in my head that it makes sense that me and a couple of other friends of mine who are moms of little ones have all said that we are team daytime sex.
2: Oh, that's a whole different. Yeah. And I'm nighttime.
1: But I think it's not about like, oh, I just happen to feel more turned on during the daytime. It's because of context, because by the time the nighttime comes, I'm exhausted, right. you know. there's shit that's in my head that I'm like going over, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, oh, I gotta get up at 6 a.m., whatever. And so that's the context that takes me out of the mood, right? So I think going back to what you're asking, like, what can you do? I think it's just being aware of context. Um, and if you are thinking to yourself like, oh, I would really like to get intimate um, you know, tonight, it's almost like stepping back, seeing me, and saying, what could I do for her that would make her feel more relaxed, more loved, more seen, more heard? Because if you do that stuff, whatever yeah, those yeah, things I, are- Yeah,
2: but I have to do that with that expectation. That's what's right.
1: Hard. Right, you know? right, 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 You're right, hundred um, percent. Right, and part of it is like, you have to do it because you want to, not because you're expecting something exactly. But I think for me, if, if you're doing that, you're going to have a, a higher chance, right? That I'm going to be contextually more ripe for being in the mood.
2: But it shouldn't be like, it, there shouldn't be that much strategy. Like yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I, I, agree. You know, I like, don't know
1: what else to do though.
2: <laughs> I shouldn't say, okay, I want to have sex tonight. Mm-hmm. What would get her in the mood? What's the mm-hmm. runway? Um, maybe I can, you know, feel. Uh, 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 feed our daughter, put her to sleep. Maybe that will help. Like it shouldn't be like that. I just, what is like, it
1: asking? Is it asking? Is it you saying like, if it's you in your head saying, I want to have sex tonight, like I know that I'm, you know, in my spontaneous arousal, like I know I'm in the mood. Would you, would you then ask me and say, what can I do for you?
2: Yeah, I, I would prefer that might make you in the mood. <laughs> Cause what I would prefer is communication. So, right. um,
1: Then you're forcing me to communicate my need to you, which we know is hard for me. So that would probably
2: be good. (laughs) So if you're like, hey, listen, um, don't take this personally, but I'm exhausted. and I really don't want to be intimate tonight. I would be like, oh, no problem. And then if I was horny, I would take care of that myself and there would be no issue. It's all Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not communicating and I'm all worked up and I'm flirting, I'm getting excited and I'm giving you a massage and everything. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then I have no expectation and then it doesn't happen now you know i'm the 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 lo- the loner with the boner in the corner and <laughs> I'm, I'm korean smurf you know what i'm talking about the blue balls and so um then anger resent- resentment builds, and all that shit the, the, and then you know the uh, the flapping fish in bed so I, yeah it's communication it's hints it's and, and i don't i think if if you told me in advance i wouldn't take it personally
1: well, but that's, that's tricky though. And and I feel like we've gotten into this dance a couple of times where it's like, just tell me in advance. And again, I think because of now I'm understanding this form of desire, I can't tell you at 5.00 PM, if I'm going to be in the mood at 9.00 PM, that's right. literally not right. possible. So I could tell you at 5.00 PM, no fucking way, but at 9.00 PM, if you know, I'm getting a good massage and I just happen to get aroused and like, I will. So that's also tricky. Like being able to plan for sex is not something I don't think that somebody in my category can't even do.
2: Well, this is why this is all really difficult. Totally. You know, it's that dance. It's that um there is no color by numbers right Mm -hmm. way to do this it's a feeling it's some flirting it's getting to know your partner it's you know sometimes you're right sometimes you're wrong like right you know and also uh by the way sex doesn't always have to be like this sex can also be quickies and you know uh uh, it it doesn't always have to be like love making right so there are those things too and and i think also responsive uh people Uh, not all the time, but sometimes may enjoy that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think going back to what you were saying about communication so far out of all the kind of strategies that we've just workshopped, that feels the best to me, meaning, you know, as somebody who is spontaneous, like, Oh, I want to have sex. Right. And so you essentially say to me, what can I do for you? What do you need from me? Um, And My responsibility is to say, it would be really helpful for me if you put Logan to bed tonight, right? Like that would help me feel less stressed out. And so that's me communicating a need, which is great. That would help me a lot. Awesome. You do that thing. Now, it's not like you do that thing with 100% expectation that now I'm going to have sex with you, but it's like, okay, will this get us closer to you potentially feeling less stressed out, which means you're going to be aroused. Um, that's not a foolproof way, like you said. I mean, it's tough to to take the expectation out of that, but that to me feels like the closest way.
2: We should have two wooden elephants. They both light up. One's in, um, you know, like like uh, some in the garage. One's in wherever I am, and one's wherever you are. And as the day goes by, um, we can turn our little elephant light on or off, and it means it's on or it's not.
1: <laughs> Why an elephant? <laughs>
2: I don't know. It's kind of cute. So random. Why not? Why not? I don't know. Um, and it's it's a, it's got a little blue light or red light. A red light. Red light would be more appropriate. And then so when you, when you walk by and you see the little red light on, it means oh shit, it's on. And then when you see it off, it's like oh okay, this is not happening tonight. Um,
1: the way your mind works.
2: <laughs> communication, yes. Uh, and again, we guys, we don't have answers. You know we're we struggle with this, like like. Um, like everyone else. And just because we're therapists doesn't mean that um, we have shit down because we don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. It's, um, it's questioning. It's trying to understand. It's communicating. It's trying to understand even more. Um, and it's taking responsibility and ownership.
2: Yeah. We have to go because I'm going to go do the dishes, wash your car and go buy the groceries. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 8.30 PM. I, <laughs> time is ticking.
1: You have a lot to do.
2: Thanks for listening. Be well. Hey, before you go, if you want to engage with Vanessa or I live, we both teach in the TAT lab. The TAT lab is live virtual wellness classes all using Zoom. These are not video courses. These are live groups and classes, a team of experts with um, lots of experience and also, their own stories, teaching everything from healing trauma to uh, Vanessa teaches codependency. We have attachment styles, relationship classes. I do um, something called Ask Angry, and that is basically a giant check in. We've got book clubs, we've got meditations. Come check us out at TAT Lab. That's TAT Lab.com. And uh, get a week for free and come say hi to uh, me and Vanessa.
0: Hold up.